want to talk to you about the uh, seven steps for cultivating increase in your life. And I want you to know that increase is God's will in every area of your life. He didn't come to send you backwards or to stand still. He cares about every dimension of your life. And we have learned that if we will walk in the ways of God, say it, I walk in his ways. And if we're faithful, say I'm faithful. And if we're diligent, say I'm diligent. And if I'm a tither, say I'm a tither. If I'm a sower, say I'm a sower. And if I'm a believer, then I can increase. And is believing important? Yes, it is described as Todd mentioned, the duty or the work of the believer is to actually believe. So I want to lay out for you today these seven steps. I'm going to give them to you in just a moment outright and leave a little space in your note page if you're taking notes. But apply yourself today to receive revelation and, and walk in this. And there's just literally no limits to your life. You know, the Bible says that it was the Holy One, that it was the people of Israel that vexed the Holy One of Israel. That means that the people limited God, God didn't limit the people. When everybody tells you there's a cap, there's a limit, God can only do so much in your life, that's a lie from the pit of hell. So I want you to get this down deep into your heart. But first of all, let me go to this scripture in Genesis 8:22, And it tells us basically that cultivation is a spiritual law and principle that will be here as long as the earth endures. It says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. This tells you that the seed time and harvest principle isn't going anywhere. As long as the earth endures, this is how God does what he does. Is that important? Yes, because if we're going to cultivate, we're going to prepare land or a piece of land for crops or gardening, in this case, spiritual fruit. And in this case, the Bible's clear about what that garden plot is, what that piece of land actually is. Scripture says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 6 through 9, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And listen to this and be encouraged today, and let us not grow weary while doing good. What's the good being referred to here? The good is sowing. The good is investing in the kingdom of God. Don't be weary in doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And this tells me that the only way for me to lose out on my harvest is to lose heart, to faint, to give up, to quit. Look at somebody and tell them, I'm not a quitter. Tell them, I get that quitting look off your face then, hallelujah. Say, I'm not a quitter. It tells me that I am going to reap. Now, I believe what the Bible says here. Say, it, I'm a believer. Paul says, by revelation that we shall reap, then guess what? We're going to reap that following the principles of cultivation from the Word of God, they actually work. They'll work in every dimension of your life, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. It'll work in terms of your occupation. It'll work in terms of your finances. There's nothing that the Word of God does not address and make better in your life. Aren't you glad He cares about every part of us? I said, aren't you glad He cares about every part of us? He died for every part of us and not just one aspect so that you can be saved and go to heaven one day. But he cares about your life from the very, very beginning, from conception. And in his mind, he had great plans for you and he still has great plans for you. But it's not just when you get to heaven that he has great plans for you. He has great plans for you right here, a future and a hope right here. And so the reason these principles are important, the reason we're talking about increase, is we can't apply something we don't know. Now, you may be a professional commercial farmer in here today, I don't know, but you will see that the natural order of things in the earth are actually nothing more than a parallel or mirror image of the way things work in the spirit realm. It's not farming first and then God decided that seed time and harvest was the way the kingdom of God works. No, you see in natural earth, the process of cultivation, a reflection of how God does what he does. It had nothing to do with their agrarian-based economy. It has to do with understanding this is what the kingdom of God is like. Repeatedly in the word of God, you'll hear God say things like, this is how the kingdom works and he'll describe it as a seed. 
He'll describe it as an agricultural process. And so I want you to see it through that lens today. The first thing you have to understand is that the increase is not attached to something outside of you. Your increase is on the inside of you. The kingdom of God is not out there. The kingdom of God is where? It's within you. That means that God's ways of doing and being right are not out there somewhere. They're in us. What does this mean? The Bible says in Proverbs 4, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for out of it flow the springs of life. In other words, the heart is the soil where all of the increase springs from. Say it with me. My heart is the soil. Say it again. My heart is the soil. Mark 4 tells us that in the parable of the sower, that the sower sows the word. Say it. It's the word. And of course, some uh, you know, seed falls on the path and the birds come and eat it up and then some falls among the rocks and it springs up quickly, you know, and then it, it fades because of the sun, because of persecution, because of trouble that comes because of the word. And some fell on thorny ground and the thorns begin to come up, the weeds begin to come up and choke his life out. But some fell on good ground. That good ground is referring to the condition of your heart. Your heart is the receptor. It's the repository of the seed of the word of God. It is the ground. And listen, there is no corruption in the word of God. There is no corruption in the seed of the word of God. None. There is no dud. I remember we used to play with firecrackers all the time. My dad hated it because he was an ammunitions expert and explosives expert and knew the danger of those things. But you know what? Every once in a while we throw one and there'd be a dud. And like ignoramuses, we would have to go up there and pick it up because we thought it was what? It was a dud. And I remember for some stupid reason, one of my brothers lit one of these inside of our bedroom and everybody thought it was a dud. Now, if mom's watching, it wasn't me. And... Uh, and thank the Lord it was one of the more inferior types. It wasn't like those M80s I used to have out there when we were kids. But, uh, you know, I got elected to pick it up. It was about the time it exploded in my fingers that I realized it was not a dud. See, some of y'all think because something's delayed in your life, the Word of God is a dud. And just about the right time it's going to go off, and you need to keep your expectation out there. That God is working on something in you and through you. It's not over. It is just beginning. There is no dud in the word of God. The only question is, how is the condition of the ground? How is the condition of the heart? The heart is a repository. The heart is where the growing is done. And the other temptation that we have as believers thinking that if I'd go to this town, to that town, to this state, to that state, to this church, to that church, then all of a sudden everything would be great because our mind tells us, well, that's where the land of blessing is or that's where, you know, the, the well is where the oil flows and the power of God flows. If I'd go over here, if I'd go over there. You know, the problem with that thinking is wherever you you are, that's where you are. And the issue is not the dirt over there. The issue is the dirt in your heart. And if you can't cultivate a harvest here, baby, you're not going to cultivate a harvest over there. You're deceiving yourself. And as an honest pastor, they'll tell you that. You can go from frustration to frustration to frustration to frustration until you realize if I'm born again, I've got all I need to have increase and cultivate a blessed life. All I need right here because I'm born again. And the man, this is the spirit man is perfect, made perfect in his image and the word is incorruptible. How can you go wrong? If you understand these principles, you're well on your way to cultivating a harvest of increase all the days of your life. Look at somebody and say, there's not a dud in the Word of God. Come on, say it. Not a single dud. It all works. And I'm hearing testimonies lately in the church about things that are popping up in people's lives and the good things that God is doing and the overflow and the blessing and the increase. And you know what I say? Praise God. Amen. He is not a God that lies to us. He's not a man that eats your lie. He tells the truth. What does this scripture tell us in Galatians? That we're not going to lose our cultivated harvest because God's a liar, because the word doesn't work. It tells me the only way I can lose out is if I give up on it. Well, I'm not giving up on it. 
I'm not giving up on it. I'm believing for everything I've ever sown, everything we've ever invested. Hallelujah. The word of God has gone forth in this place for a very long time. You've received much incorruptible seed and you're going to have a great harvest in and through your life as well. And nothing can stop that if you don't quit. What a word. The word is incorruptible. My born again spirit is perfect. It's great ground for the word. What a dynamic duo that is. Hallelujah. That's why we can say with confidence, our best days are truly ahead of us. Doesn't matter what we've been through. It's where we're going that matters. You keep this alive in your life and understand that wherever you are, that's where the blessing is. God told Isaac in Genesis chapter 26, no, I don't want you to go down to Egypt. I want you to stay in Gerar. He got, you know, Isaac's like, there's a famine here. Nothing's growing here. The water is gone. I want you to stay here. And the Bible says he did what God told him to do. And in the same year, reaped a hundredfold. If I was just in Egypt, everything would be great. If I was just over here, everything would be great. And then you go to Egypt and you find out that you look in the mirror and you're still there. If you could get rid of you, probably everything would be okay. But you keep following yourself. Do you see this? The blessing was on the man of God. And where the man of God went, that was blessed ground. Amen. Look at somebody and tell them, your harvest comes from within, not from without. The breakthrough happens where? First in here and then on the outside. And if it never happens on the inside, it's never going to manifest on the outside. So understand this. You need to understand, first of all, the cultivation locus is the human heart. Say, it, my heart is the ground. That's the key. What kind of condition is the ground in? You have to understand, second of all, the cultivation is a process. It doesn't happen in a day or a week or necessarily in a month, but it's ongoing. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 4. This is what the kingdom of God is like. This is how God does what he does. This is God's ways of doing and being right. Mark 4, verse 26, a man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces the grain. Do you see this? I'm telling you, the soil in your heart is well capable of producing the seed of the word of God if you're born again. Yes, amen. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. And I just heard Todd Harvest is coming to the broker house. Hallelujah. It's coming, glory to God. Can you receive that? Can you take that? Well, what about my house? All you need to do is just sow and believe and stay on the word of God. He is no respecter of persons. Now, why would I say something like that? I just do what the Holy Ghost tells me to do. You understand, I'm an employee of the kingdom of God. <laughs> We're called to do what he has called us to do and say. And I want you to understand that God is, is no respecter of persons. He does respect faith. Amen. Glory to God. The process of cultivation is important. You see that all by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Do you see how automatic this is? Incorruptible seed, a heart that's perfect towards God, all by itself, things are set in motion. And it leads to what? A harvest in your life. Now I'm here to tell you that there's nothing missing or broken in your life that you can't grow back. Whatever has been messed up, missing, disappointing to you, you can begin to see God do something amazing if you'll follow those principles. So I'm going to give them to you in order, and I just want to make some comments about these because I want you to go home and meditate on these. I want you to scour the scriptures and see how these principles produce, and they repeat themselves over and over and over again in thousands and thousands and thousands of stories, and yet thousands of stories yet to be written by the people of God. We're about to see something this earth has never seen before. 
Let me focus on 2020 and, and COVID. I hear the Holy Ghost saying before this is over with, COVID in your mind is going to be nothing but a little asterisk. A blip. You want to know what the real target was? The real target was not governments. The real target was not peoples. It was, it was not economies in general. The real target was to shut the church down. Boy, that was a mistake. Amen. It didn't work. I said it didn't work. Never has worked. Mess with the church, it just keeps on growing. Keep on messing with it, persecuted, it'll explode in growth. Push us around, wherever we go, we'll multiply. Dumb devil. Well, Pastor, I am concerned about people. Are they going to get vaccinated? Are they going to do this? Are they going to do that? Let people walk out their own salvation with fear and trembling. Amen? But be encouraged, you already have a powerful force for protection in you. Don't stop trusting God just because you hear all this talk out there. Amen. Your, your bodies are very sophisticated. I said your bodies are very sophisticated. God knew what he was doing. Glory to God. Amen. But more importantly than anything in the natural are the forces of the born-again spirit that produce in your life and what he gave you. Uh, your heart is not just something, you know, that, uh, you know, the world says can be broken or your heart can be filled with joy over something. It's actually a, a ground, a cultivation ground for the things of God. Say it with me one more time. My heart is the ground. The seed is incorruptible. There's not a single dud in the word of God. First step is preparing, preparing. The second step is sowing. Shouldn't come as a surprise to you. First step is preparing. The second step is sowing. The third step is fertilizing. Third step is fertilizing. The fourth step is irrigating. Irrigating. The fifth step is weeding. Weeding. The sixth step is harvesting. I like that word. And the seventh step is storing. Now there's a dimension of God's wisdom that is a... Uh, you know, apply to each of these and make a lot of sense as we go through these, but just let me just repeat them all for you again. Preparing and sowing and fertilizing and irrigating and weeding and harvesting and storing. Amen. Your heart is amazing, isn't it? Can I tell you something? This is happening by default whether you realize it or not. The human heart is incapable of not producing. What you're doing with this principle is you are taking command over this. You are absolutely putting the effect and the pressure of the things of God so that you are producing consistent with the word of God. Because I assure you, like me, you've probably grown some crops you didn't like. Raise your hand if you could use some crop failure in some area of your life. Amen. Now, preparing refers to preparing the soil, of course, or the heart. And literally, we, we mean breaking up the fallow ground that might be there. You know, when a, a piece of ground is not farmed for a while, it's overgrown with weeds and rocks, and there's no seed in the ground, and it's not prepared, it's not ready to do anything other than just sit there. It shouldn't come as a surprise to you that you can't harvest much off of the ground like that. You toss the seed on top of it, the birds are going to get it, the wind's going to blow it away, you're not going to get anything, and if it is, it's going to be very inconsequential. So you, you break it up. Listen to this from Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. Sow to yourself in, the, in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. Turn to somebody and tell them, break up your fallow ground. For it's time to seek the Lord till he comes and rain righteousness upon you. If you'll notice here, whose job is it to break up the fallow ground? Well, pastor, that's hard. I think I need a jackhammer, whatever it takes, brother, whatever it takes. 
but you want to break up that fallow ground. It has to be prepared before it can receive the incorruptible seed. It shouldn't, it shouldn't take you much to figure out that if people don't worship God before the pastor comes to break the bread, it's very difficult. The worship portion of a service is not, you know, you know, the precursor to the, to the main thing. Everything with God is the main thing. Do you see this? And so what happens is you, you crack that, that ground open. And so when the word goes forth, you're able to receive revelation. You're able to, to take in what God is trying to communicate to the body of Christ any given moment and today these principles. But it requires that something's done to this ground. Leonard Ravenhill, the great revivalist, said this, what is fallow ground? Fallow ground is ground that's been fruitful and then it's been plowed over and no seed has been sown in it and therefore it's become unproductive. Fallow ground is not producing. The field needs to be cleared of overgrowth and rocks and obstructions to growth. And it's your job, it's my job to do that. Well, practically, how can we do this? Well, we've all been there at one time or another where we felt closer to God maybe than others or we felt softer in our hearts or, or harder in our hearts. And when you get like that, you need to apply things like repentance. Can I have a better amen? When you're resistant because the ground's not prepared, get with God and confess things and repent of things. Doesn't mean you're a loser or a second-class Christian because you've had to repent. Raise your hand if you've ever had to repent. Some of y'all had to repent between the car and the church building this morning. That's okay. God loves you. You think he's sitting there, you know, casting a weird look at you because you have to repent? No, he's the one that gave you the mechanism to have the peace restored in your life with him. And he said, if you are, if you sin, you're, you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you what? Of all unrighteousness. I don't know what's made you hard or indifferent or resistant to the seed. I don't know. But whatever it is, I know this. If you're crying to God, he'll soften your heart. He'll tenderize your heart again. But when it's not tender, it's very, very hard for that seed to go in and produce anything of consequence. But you and I have this privilege. We get to repent. You say, is that a big deal? Yeah, with an angel, there's no repentance. They are one and done. If you don't think you're special, just think about that for a moment. If you're an angel, you get one opportunity to do it right. Do it wrong one time. And you're gone. Angels weren't made in the image of God. Angels were not redeemed with the blood of the Lamb. You have a right and privilege of repenting. Could have been mental, physical, could have been attitudinal, could have been any of these things. Your job is to break up that fallow ground. The fastest way to do that is to repent. And you'd be amazed how fast God can soften your heart. And break your, not, your heart, not in the sense of hurting you, but breaking your heart in the sense of where you're humble and you're, you're repentant and you're ready to receive what God has in his word. The heart's got to be prepared. Now, some of you wonder, how come my message series are 40 and 50 parts? Sometimes it takes part 45 before the ground's ready. I remember teaching a series on spiritual warfare in Hopkinsville for, I don't know, 12, 15 weeks. You say, you've been doing this a long time. Yeah, I've been doing those long series for a while. <laughs> because one revelation leads to another, leads to another. Say it with me, I want more revelation. And I mean, service in, service out, I'm preaching on the principles of spiritual warfare. And this lady who played the bass in the worship team finally came up to me about three months later, you know, while we're still in this series, you know, and she goes, oh, Oh, it's cool. I just had a, a revelation from God last night. I've never heard anything about warfare before, but God just taught me last night about warfare and wrote a song about it. I'm like, where have you been the past three months? <laughs> and I'm not decrying that because that's one of the reasons why we do it. Because you may not get it in the first message. And you may not get it in the 10th message. And you may not get it in the 20th message. And you may not get it in the 30th message. But hallelujah, glory to God. God is stubborn and I'm starting to be just like him. You're going to get it. 
Come on, say it. I'm going to get it. Hallelujah. Some point in time, all the guards come down, all the resistance comes down, and it just begins to flow and flow and flow in your life. And it's just like drinking from a fire hose. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. I mean, cheeks just flapping back. Hallelujah. But something about you just can't, can't resist staying right there. Amen. Just getting all that you can. But the heart's got to be prepared. No preparation. There'll be no increase in that area of your life. Number two is sowing. That means that we choose and plant the seed of the word of God consistent with what you want to harvest. Whatever it is you're believing God for, you have to put the word of God in the ground. This is not great rocket science here, but how many you know if you want a corn crop, you got to put what? Corn seed in the ground. If you want wheat, what do you do? You put wheat in the ground. If you want soybean, what do you get? What do you get? You put soybean in the ground and Harvest time, you get soybeans. It's not rocket science, but you'd be amazed how many people just think generically about the Word of God and don't think about, you know, sowing specific, you know, content seed, subject seed in your heart about what it is you're believing God for. If you're believing God for healing, how many know there's a lot of seed in here on healing? You're believing God for financial restoration. There's a lot of seed in here. You're sowing for peace. There's a lot of seed in here about peace. You're, you're wanting to develop some gift or develop some fruit of the Spirit. There's lots of that in there. Whatever it is, you need to sow that seed and believe God is going to produce in your life. Say it, I'm a sower. A sower sows what? The seed. So you've prepared your heart, but you're not sowing. You can't have a harvest if you're not sowing. If all you have is ground that's plowed and ready, but you're not sowing, you can't get a harvest off of that. So the sower sows what? The seed. And write this down if you still don't have this. There are three ways of sowing seed into your heart. And they all work. And I recommend that you do all three of them and do them all with consistency. One is by hearing the word, the ear gate. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? By the word of God. How many you know it's important for you to put your eyes, number two, your eyes on the word of God? The eye gate, the word of God comes through the eyes and will slip down into the spirit. And how many understand that's where your target is? Not just here, but you want to get it in here until it explodes with reality on the inside of you. That's the second gate. The third gate is your mouth. And there's a double blessing with using your mouth to sow seed because when you speak the word of God, guess what happens? You also hear the word of God. And it goes into the place it's supposed to go into. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do everything I can to sow the seed. I'm going to look at it. I'm going to put my eyes before it. I'm going to put my ears in the direction of it. I'm going to incline my ear to the word, which is what the writer of Proverbs says. And I'm also going to declare the word of God with my mouth. Say it with me. I'm a sower. You say, well, I, I don't have to look at the scriptures when you're preaching because I, I've got all those memorized. Can I tell you something very plainly here? How many of y'all had a steak in the past couple of months in your life? Raise your hand if you had a steak. Any vegetarians here? Okay, have veggie burger then. Do you realize that you can think about that steak all you want to, but today it's not producing any nourishment in you whatsoever? The potato you ate last night or last month is not going to do you any good next week. You need to be doing what? Nourishing yourself, sowing seed in the present day. So we not only prepare the heart, but we sow. We're preparing, but we're also sowing. So I'm a sower. A sower sows the word. And make sure that your words stay consistent with what you're actually wanting to harvest. Well, I am believing God to do this, 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 and this. And you walk around talking contrary to it all day long. Your sowing is going in one direction and your mouth is going in another. That's not going to work. Make sure your mouth is aligned up with the thing you say that you want to believe God for. Number three is fertilizing. Fertilizing. This is adding nutrients to the soil of your heart. I want you to focus on three of those today. First of all, love. Make sure you stay in agape during the cultivating process. Make sure you don't take offense in the cultivating process. 
Make sure you don't let people get under your skin while you're trying to cultivate something. Stay in love. You know, it seems like when you're right on the, on the cusp of a great breakthrough, somebody does something to rub you the wrong way. Well, let them rub somebody else the wrong way. You're working on something. You, can, you can't do anything at all about what people say about you, write about you, do against you, but you have everything to say about how you respond to it. And when you respond biblically and with love, you completely take the power away from that person. Look at somebody and say, don't let him see you sweat. Amen. We've talked about how we need to make sure that the names of other people are safe in our mouths. You can't do anything about your name not being safe in so-and-so's mouth, but you don't have to respond to it. Say, so what am I saying? I'm saying my harvest is more valuable to me than that person liking me. My harvest is more important to me than what they did or what they said. I'm going to focus on cultivating something for eternity. I'm not concerned about what they think. Sooner or later, you've got to get over people. If you want to get people delivered, you've got to be delivered from people. It's impossible to help people when all you care about is their opinion. Amen? And you certainly, you certainly can't be effective in ministry. Stopping every sermon every two or three minutes thinking to yourself, is that going to offend them? Is that going to offend them? Is that going to offend them? Will they be here next week? Will they be here next month? You can't do that. You've got to be what? Free to do what God has called you to do. And in your case today, you've got to be fertilizing that crop with love. Love for God. Love for people. But pastor, people can be idiots. Yes. If this were easy, then everybody would be doing it. Nobody wants to be used. Nobody wants to be maligned. Nobody wants to be made fun of. Nobody wants to be put down. Nobody wants to be called names. But you have to understand, you're, all, you're, you're working on something. Your focus has to be beyond the immediate impact of what they may say or what they may do. The second thing you need to fertilize that ground with, not just love, but also with patience. You have to remain patient and not react, trying to help God out during that time. You don't want to produce an Ishmael or make a mess out of everything. In due time, you will reap what? If you faint not. So patience is critical. Come alongside of your faith to let God do what he is doing. No farmer sows a seed in the spring and goes out there a month later saying, well, that's it. I don't believe it's coming up and then plows the whole thing up. You would think that person, really, with the cost of seed today, you would think that person needs their head examined. Yes. Amen? Well, you and I need to understand that uh, it's through faith and patience we inherit the promises of God. Say it with me, I'm preparing, I'm sowing, and I'm fertilizing. Third thing you want to fertilize that uh, crop with is a thing called hope, Bible hope. That means you have an ongoing inner image of what you're expecting all the time. And you don't keep it just on day one. You keep it all throughout the cultivation process. If you begin to lose that image of what you're believing God for, get back in the Word of God until it lives large inside of you and becomes very, very clear. You all remember those old Polaroid cameras? Polaroid came out with them, then Kodak tried to copy, then they got nailed with a lawsuit, so they had to drop what they did. But you take a picture instantly, and what would happen? Out would pop the picture. Amen. And then you stare at it, and what happens? It develops in front of you. And soon after it's developed, it starts fading. And you look at that, and I remember someone showed me some of these from when I was real, real young, and the things my mom dressed me in. <laughs> it's not just Polaroids, but, but old snapshots will do the same thing. And I'm, I'm looking at whoever invented the onesie is a demon from hell. And I remember one Christmas, there was my sister and my two brothers, and there was me in a striped onesie under the Christmas tree. That's child abuse, I want you to understand today. 
But you wait long enough and what's going to happen to those pictures? My faith is that that picture completely fades. It's gone forever and ever. But you look at those things and you can tell the colors aren't right. The images are kind of blurred and you can really see basically what's there, but it's, it's fading. And that's what happens over the process of cultivation. The inner image, that Bible hope fades. And if it does, it's going to compromise your harvest. You've got to keep in front of you what you're believing God for. And the way you keep that image sharp is stay in the word of God. Not just sow it day one of your, of your cultivation, but keep the word of God going in so it stays large on the inside of you. Whatever it is you're believing God for. Because like those old Polaroids, it will fade if you don't do something about it. You need that Polaroid to be sharp. You need that hope so that your faith has something to work on. Faith is being sure of what? Of what we hope for. So whatever that is, whatever that frame is, you have the responsibility of keeping it sharp. Do you know nobody else is going to do this for you? I mean, they do well to keep their own images in focus and, and sharp. You have to do it yourself. Isn't that why we have a pastor? No, I tell you what to do to get it sharp. Thou doest it. Or you durst not do it. That's up to you. But the process is given to you today. You need to be preparing, sowing, and fertilizing. And make sure you understand that you've got to stay in love. Come on, said, I've got to stay in love. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the devil will do everything he can to get you out of love. And he'll use anybody he can close to you or far away, on the road or in the drive-thru, in church or out. Because he too understands something's going on with you that's big. Fertilize it with love. Fertilize it with patience. Fertilize it with hope. You're going to have a great crop. Say it with me. I'm working on something. Number four, irrigating. Like any natural crop, you need water for your soil and for your seed. And I got some good news for you. According to John chapter 7, Jesus said this. Now, on the last day of the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out. He said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he said in reference to the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. What happens is, that's great, I've got some incorruptible seed and a perfect heart, but how do you understand, if I take, you know, a perfect seed naturally and I put it in ground that is completely dry and not receiving moisture, I'm done. You know, they went out in California recently and they discovered, you know, some ground that had been dormant for, for really, they said, you know, thousands of years. And now all of a sudden it's producing these blooms and these flowers people hadn't seen. Some thought they were, were actually new species. They're not. They just hadn't been seen in that particular part of the country. And they said some of those seeds were under the ground hundreds and hundreds of years doing nothing. Now, does that mean it was a dud? No. Does it mean the ground was bad? No. It just means what? It never had the irrigation for the seed to take root and produce the crop that it was designed to actually produce. Do you know that you're designed for harvest? Your heart is designed to produce it. The Word of God is designed that way. So, what do you water it with? Write this down. Water it with praise. Water it with thanksgiving. Water it with speaking in tongues. Water it with gratitude coming out of your heart and out of your mouth. Be excited about what's there. Why would I praise God for what's in the ground even though I can't see it? Because I know God's not a liar. Amen? You sowing for some kind of breakthrough? Praise God for it now. Thank Him now. Do you know that nothing will water your seed like praying in the Holy Ghost? Amen. You'll get a deluge when you pray in the Spirit over the things you're believing God for. It's not an accident we have these gifts and blessings in our life. Don't wait until the thing pops up and it's harvest time to thank Him. Anybody can do that. 
It takes faith to praise him before you can see anything. It takes faith to say, I praise you because you made me to be born again. You gave me a perfect spirit and you gave me incorruptible seed. You're, you're the one doing this all, so I thank you and I praise you for it. I give you glory for it. I am going to have a great harvest. And Father, I thank you for it. I praise you for it. Listen, some of you have sowed some seed and you're wondering what's going on. You just need to turn your, your thanks picket back on. Amen. Get your praise bucket out. And start dumping it on there like you never had before. Come on, let me hear you do it. Turn your praise spigot on. That means praise God. Amen. Praise Him and think, when? When? Throughout the cultivation process, long before you ever see a harvest. Irrigate it. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, unlike Western Kentucky, you can never have too much of spiritual water. Too much water will ruin a field in the natural. Too much water will do nothing but bless the field you have in your heart. Do you know that God loves a cheerful giver, but he also loves and appreciates somebody who is an appreciative sower and a thankful sower? Say, so I am thankful. I'm appreciative, and I praise God. Look at this. He said, I, I'll praise him when I see the thing manifest. He gave you his seed. Everything you could ever need is in that seed. Everything. He's already given you the greatest gift. Y'all remember the story of Jack and the beanstalk? And what did Jack trade for a couple of beans? And was Mama happy? No, because mama had no bean, no magic bean revelation. But when those beans were tossed and hit the ground, what happened? If they grew, access to another realm, another world. You see, that's a fable, but the word of God is not. Anything you need is in the potential of that seed. That's why we thank him now. Amen. You're, you're born again spirits, a gift. The seed is a gift. Everything is a gift. We should be nonstop praisers. Amen. Say so we nonstop, all the time, praising God, thanking God, because He's already given us the potential. It's just a matter of time now for the thing to harvest. Glory to God. Preparing and sowing, fertilizing, irrigating. Number five, pretty important weeding. Time to get your weed eater out. We've got to make sure we, we monitor the heart for overgrowth and weeds at the beginning, but not just at the beginning. Weeds can pop up at any time in the cultivating process. We need to make sure that we're tending the heart garden all the time from start to finish and throughout our lives. Say it with me, weeding. According to Mark 4, there are three kinds of weeds you've got to be careful because they'll choke the seed. It's not that the seed's suddenly corruptible. No, it's just being pressed. It's being held back. It's being choked out. And what chokes out the Word of God? First of all, weeds of a hard heart. Indifference. An unprepared heart. We can't afford to get hard. We can't afford to let that thing come into our heart. You know, while we're in the middle of believing God for a great harvest. Guard your heart what? With? All diligence for out of it flow the issues of life. Look at some of my time. Stay soft, pliable, teachable, correctable. God's up to something. Second category is weeds of trouble and persecution. You can't let trouble or persecution, you know, discourage you. The Bible says trouble or persecution will come because of the word. Well, pastor, then it's your fault then. How is it my fault? You told us to put the word in. And trouble or persecution comes because of the word, so it's your fault. No, if there's a fault, it'd be God's fault. But it's not God's fault, it's God's blessing to you. Amen. It doesn't tell you to give up when trouble or persecution comes. But if you allow it to, that weed will crush everything in that you're trying to do. I promise you, if you sow the word of God into your eyes, your ears, and into your, you know, using your mouth to sow into your heart, you're going to have something come after you. 
It's a mystery to a lot of people when they walk into a word church and all of a sudden they start hearing the word and doing the word. And it seems like literally hell breaks loose against them. You're not imagining that. Years ago, we used to call it Hope Harbor Syndrome. Come to Hope Harbor, get nailed. That's a marketing strategy, isn't it? You say, how is that possible? It's possible because if you're receiving the uncompromised word of God and you're truly dialed in, if you expect everything's going to be perfect because you're doing that, you're misguided. Being a faith person doesn't mean you climb into a bubble where nothing bad ever happens. It just assures that you will overcome and be victorious no matter what the devil throws at you, no matter what life throws at you. You're more than a conqueror. Greater is he that is in you than is in the world. Faith is not protect you from everything out there. It protects you from defeat by what's out there. And a lot of misconception, even in word circles, about this principle. No, the Bible says trouble or persecution comes because of what? The word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So what's that trouble and persecution coming for? It's coming for my faith. So I'll throw it down. In the middle of this cultivation process, here comes the weeds of persecution and trouble. Now, you can either let it get to you. You can say, well, I must be doing something right. Come on, lift your head up right now and say, I must be doing something right. <laughs> now, Peter cautioned us that sometimes we get in trouble because we're stupid. My paraphrase. Suffering because of stupidity. But there's a lot of things that people go on because they honestly took the word of God to heart. Literally. And my encouragement to you is don't give up. Don't give up. Don't let that weed of trouble and persecution rob you of the good thing that God has. Watch this. If you're being troubled or persecuted because of the word that's in you right now, you should rejoice. Because if it wasn't real and working, there would be no trouble and persecution there. So this is time in the cultivating process where you you think about your perspective here. Am I looking at this thing the right way? When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, amen, what do we do? Give up, fold the tent? No, we stand. Having done all to stand, what do we do? We stand. Say, I'm a stander. Say it again, I am a stander. Third category of weeds, weeds of worries, idolatry, and desires are lust. Worries, idolatry, meaning stuff, desires, and lust. Uh, it's hard for you to have a harvest if you sow the seed and you keep on worrying about it. If you're in worry, you're not in faith about that harvest. You just need more, more word on that subject. Worries will choke out your harvest. What about stuff? What about things? What about materialism? What about putting your focus on everything that is temporal at this time? You don't want to do that. Can I have an amen? I said you don't want to do that. Idolatry of anything, putting anything before your God, it will have a hindering effect on your harvest. You know what, uh, we think about uh, idols like the golden calf that Aaron fashioned that just popped out of the fire one day. Look what happened, Moses, while you were gone. Hey, Moses, a funny thing happened while you were up on that mountain. This golden calf just popped out. Do you know that idols just don't pop out? Idols have to be what? Crushed. High places have to be torn down. You do not want idolatry to rear its ugly head in your life while you're believing God for something. No more than you want to get into worry while you're believing God. And the third area is lust or desires of the flesh that run contrary to the word of God. I don't know what the devil's trying to throw at you, but whatever it is, that lust is not worth your harvest. If we ever saw the real price for yielding in the flesh to something, we would never do it. But I assure you that you don't want to give up what God has for you because of that. Not worries, not idolatry, not desires or lusts. Say it with me. I'm preparing, sowing, fertilizing, irrigating, weeding. And number six is harvesting. That's a good time to say a good amen. And so what do I do? 
This is factor number seven for supernatural increase, speaking. The sickle of your mouth you pull out and you call in that harvest and you talk increase and you talk harvest and you talk blessing. Listen to what Isaiah 55 says in verse 10. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, hallelujah, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God literally compares word coming out of the mouth to rain. And if we want harvest, we need what? We need the rain. A lot of people have a harvest sitting there somewhere in the field, but they've not used the sickle of their mouth to call that in. Call it in in Jesus' name. Come on, lift your hand to heaven right now and say it in Jesus' name. I recognize every seed I have ever sown, and I call in every harvest that I have ever sown for in Jesus' name. Harvest of victory, harvest of health, Harvest of financial increase, harvest of peace, harvest of righteousness, harvest of fruit. In every area of my life, I call that in. Now watch this. That's for demonstration purposes for you today. That's what you should be doing every day of your life. Well, I sow it. I understand the sower and the tither part, Pastor, but... You also need to be speaking over those over that sowing, over what you have done. It's ongoing faith power being released in that direction. The Bible tells us very plainly there's power of life and death in the tongue. Delegated. How I many want life in your harvest and not death? So what do I do? Raise your hand if, if you've learned the principle of sowing and tithing. You've you got to hold up tithers' rights and sowers' promises. That's great, but don't leave these, these fields out there without being harvested. Nobody's going to have thousands of acres in western Kentucky just sit there at harvest time until they're destroyed by the winter. No. What are they going to do? They're going to get every combine, every truck they can. They're going to get stuff to the grain elevator. If they're going to sell, they're going to sell, whatever the case may be. But they're not going to let it sit out there at harvest time. They're going to call it in. They're going to literally bring it in. Amen. Say it with me. Every harvest, on every seed I've ever sown, it's coming in, in Jesus' name. And I know... A lot about what goes on in the body of Christ, most of all of our sowing, the Lord knows that's the way it's supposed to be. But I can tell you that there have been some significant seeds sown, and you get significant harvest from significant seeds. Some of you know what it's like to sow in the middle of morning. I'm not talking about the time of day. I'm talking about in the deep despair of your soul. But you said this to heaven and to the devil. I'm not going to stop my sowing just because I'm going through a tough time. Do you have any idea how much that honored God? Do you have any idea how you kept on doing what you're supposed to do when everything was breaking out against you? Do you know how much it honored him that you took him at his word even on your worst day? You listen to me. What happens according to the word of God to those who have sown at a time like that? They're going to come what? Reaping in joy. Some of the most outstanding harvests that are coming into your life are from seeds you sowed when everything was wrong. And that's a prophetic word from the Lord today for you. You couldn't even hardly lift your head, but you went ahead and did what God told you to do anyway. You couldn't put a sentence together, but you went ahead and did what God told you to do anyway. Everything was falling on top of your head, but you went ahead and sowed your seed. Those are precious to God. You're going to come forth, amen, rejoicing. So call it in. I do remember a time, Lord, where this was a horrible situation. And all I did was just try to get up and do what you told me to do. That I couldn't even think about a day beyond or a week beyond or a month beyond, let alone a year beyond. But it's got up the next day and just did what you told me to do. I sow it in your name. You're going to harvest off of that. 
You thought it was a dead period of your life. You thought it was a waste of time of your life. You thought nothing good would ever come from this. I'm telling you, the Lord was watching what you did at that terrible time. And because you sowed greatly, you're going to reap greatly. Glory to God. I take that in Jesus' name. Just like Isaiah says, if we want to see the harvest, we need to have the rain. You call it in like never before. It said, every seed, every harvest is mine in Jesus' name. I'm working on something. Perfect seed, incorruptible seed, a perfect heart, hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Y'all are better than Farmer Brown. Hallelujah. Amen. There was a farmer. <laughs> yes. What's the seventh principle? Storing. Notice it's storing, not hoarding. Storing implies temporary. Hoarding implies permanence and fear. Some of you grew up in lack, and, and so you like to get stuff all around you. I haven't had to get a call from the fire department asking me to come out with them to rescue you because stuff was up to the ceiling and inside of your living room yet. That's good. But Brother Cole brothers up one time, why do you have 100 used margarine bowls in your house for? What, what are you ever going to use those for? You've got to have and keep all this stuff because you never know when you're going to need it. And it's consumed your life. Your whole life is now about stuff. And if I'm rubbing your fur the wrong way, you need to get delivered. Say it with me. Storing is not hoarding. James challenged the church by telling him, you have what? Stored up what? Wealth in the last days. In the last days, you don't have a hoard mentality. You have a store mentality, which is temporary, which means you and I are conduits of the blessing. Our barns are to be filled for future sowing and enjoyment. In fact, you know, Jerry Savelle tells a story about his grandfather who farmed down in the Mississippi Delta. And he said, that's the finest soil anywhere in the country. You can grow anything down there. And he said, I, he always watched his grandfather bring the harvest in. But the best seed, you know what he did? He set it aside not to eat or to sell, but to sow into the ground the, the following season. He took the finest so he could what? Sow it. Stay with me here. Stay with me. Storing, not hoarding. If we want to keep the supernatural flow, we've got to be already thinking about how we're going to sow. To cultivate effectively and successfully, you've always got to be thinking, now, God, what do you have for me next? You're not just going to give me a harvest so that I can just get all I get. Amen. Put it in a can and then sit on the can. That is not what this is about. You already should have a mentality. Oh, boy, the Lord does this. Guess what? Hallelujah. I'm already getting direction about this, what I'm going to do and how I'm going to handle this. And I'm going to take this wonderful blessing, this harvest, and I'm going to be a dispenser of his glory. And the, the storing thing, yes, he'll bless me and he'll increase me, but he's also going to use me to take that storehouse and bless other people. Say it with me. I'm blessed to be a blessing Come on, look at somebody and say, you're blessed to be a blessing. Storing, not hoarding. Hoarding is attached to fear. Storing is attached to faith. Amen. You watch that show on hoarders, anybody? When you can actually stomach it, it's hard to sit there. And I mean, it's out of control, and they can't find in their heart to get rid of anything. You want to know why? Because fear is attached to it. Strong fear is attached to it. And that same spirit tries to come on a Christian when God tells you to make a substantial seed in the kingdom of God. Fear. 
If I part with it, something terrible is going to happen. Now, if you part with something under God's direction, it's going to be a good thing in your life and in the life of the person you sowed it into. We're not to be like the guy in Scripture in Luke 12 who had massive harvest and he says, I don't know what I'm going to do. My barns are filled. I know what I'll do is I'll tear down the barns and build bigger ones. You know what Jesus said? Thou fool. Tonight your life is required of thee. All he had was a hoarding mentality. Amen? Raise your hand if you want to perpetually increase. You want to cultivate all the days of your life and just see one roll in after another. If that's the case, then you have to be perpetually seed-minded. Storing temporary. Hoarding permanent. Storing faith. Hoarding fear. Question you need to ask yourself today as we wrap this up. Why are you here? Why, why is a natural farmer here? Um, can a farmer possibly eat the crops from 12,000 acres? That'd be a big farmer. Can he possibly in one lifetime eat all that? No. He is here to meet the needs of other people. That's what he's there. Why is the doctor here? Going back to you know, hundreds of years, the profession has seen it first as a calling of God. A desire to see those that are what? Sick, made well. Yes, it can take a bend towards the business. It can take a bend towards abuse, just like any kind of profession can. But I can tell you this, that why are they there? I have, I have a friend that, that takes so many appointments. It's unfathomable. That I got an email from this one physician, worked on a Monday. I got a, an email about 9.30 at night and he was just getting done with seeing patients. Now, he's also a believer and loves the Lord with all of his heart, but can you see that they're not there for themselves? And if you've seen the changes to healthcare and the laws and the insurance and all the craziness, and they're still practicing, you better believe they're there because they care about people. They're not there for themselves. I mean, how healed can they be? Pilots flying in a commercial jet is not there for himself or herself. Brother Copen tells the story of a pilot who was actually the first officer and the second officer came on board and they were actually still being trained to get all their hours in before they could actually take over, you know, as a first officer. And he looked at the guy and said, now, now do your check through. And he goes, oh, I already did it. I did it, I did it mentally. Well, here's a big no-no in, in, in aviation. You don't do it mentally. You pick up the notebook and you literally go over every single thing. But that's not how he handled this with his second officer. He said, I want you to go in the back of the plane. I want you to tell me in a moment what you see. So he comes back and he says, well, that's the, that's the coach. That's the cabin. That's storage. What did you see in the seats? People. And he told them, we're here for them. They depend on us to get us from A to B safely. Now do your checklist correctly. Can you see that? And what about us? We're not here for us. We're here to meet the needs of others. Bottom line, Jesus said, I didn't come to serve. What? I didn't come to, to be served, but to serve and give his life what? As a ransom for many. Say, I'm here not to be served. Have you noticed how please serve me this generation is? There are a lot of markers that tell us we need a revival in this country. And one of them is the entitlement mentality. 
restaurant can't stay open, not because there's a mask mandate now, but because they can't find people to work. Retail establishments don't have enough people. I mean, if you went to Walmart before COVID, it's like finding a golden snipe. Finding an employee anywhere. <laughs> Why? Because if you sit at home just cashing government checks long enough. Hmm? Eventually what's going to happen is you disincentivize the entire culture at a big proportion of them don't want to go back to work. And you don't increase, you don't bless, you don't advance a culture or its economy. You stymie the whole thing, you drive it into the ground. And that's what we have right now. It's about me. It's about what I want. Look at somebody and tell them, you're not here for you. And if you want to be the blessing God's called you to be, you've got to have this cultivation thing down in your heart and practice it and bear much fruit in your life. I've come, what? To serve, not to be served. If you sow and reap with this mentality, you're never going to lack for supernatural increase. Raise your hand if you want to never lack for supernatural increase. Come on, raise it up high. Now come on, stand your feet and give them a big hand clap and give them praise already in the midst of your cultivation.